Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. Please open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 7, starting at verse 24. In the book of Matthew, Jesus had just finished what is called the Sermon on the Mount. It is the longest single teaching that occurs in uh, the Gospels. It is three chapters, a little over three chapters in the book. And if you have a red-letter Bible, you just have this big section of red. In the book of Matthew, it is Jesus just teaching the masses as he starts his ministry. Then when he ends, he does this parable. And this parable is about... This, this is a very iconic building. Something seems a bit odd about it. Something seems a bit off. Uh, And that is that it is leaning. In fact, the official name of this is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And you can say, huh, wonder why. Maybe it was the color they painted it. Or maybe it's that little thingy on top. Or maybe it's, no, 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 it's the foundation. It's that when they built it, They built it on soft ground. They built it on sand. And over the centuries, it has begun to lean. And it is leaning, and they are now doing their best to keep it from falling over. And this is a foundation problem. And a lot of people today, when their lives start leaning, will begin looking at all the stuff that maybe I don't have the right car, maybe I need to move to another place. But what Jesus is saying is, nah, you got a foundation problem. you got a problem with your foundation, and we shall look at that. Now, in San Francisco, in 2008, they built the Millennium Tower. It's supposed to be modern living. It's supposed to be all electronic and all happy, and each condo in that thing cost millions of dollars, even back in 2008. But San Francisco has a problem. San Francisco, especially in the Embarcadero area, is built on shale in the bay. It's really loose rock, and you have basically three levels of rock. you got the shale, which is very wet. Then you've got like a sandstone cement kind of thing, which is pretty solid. You can stand on that for a long time, but then way down you got this thing called bedrock. Bedrock is called bedrock because it is attached to, it is all the way down to the actual crust of the earth. It's part of the tectonic plate you're actually into. And so that's not going to move. And if it does move, well, you're in bigger trouble anyway. Well, they only went down about a third of the way. And so uh, this is leaning. That shows it's leaning. It has actually sunk since 2008, 18 inches into the ground. And it's leaning 14 inches at the top. And so eventually it's going to hit that building next to it. And uh, they don't know what to do because in San Francisco, you notice, things are built really close together. 
And so that's going to be a problem. That was even a 60 Minutes news thing many years ago. Talking about it, uh, people who live there, of course, who cannot sell now because their building's leaning, they just put a ping pong ball on the ground and boom, it just rolled away. Uh, and the problem here is not that it's the glass is too heavy or that it's too expensive or that it's not a pretty enough building or whatever. The problem is the foundation. problem is the thing they did first, the digging down to put the stuff in. They didn't do, and so that is a foundation problem. Now, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is very concerned about our foundation, and we shall look about what the foundation is. Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, he has just done teachings on anger and lust and telling the truth and all honesty and all sorts of things in a Christian life. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And you go, huh, well, I should understand that. On that day, meaning the end of times, many, not few, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And do mighty works in your name, and he shall tell, declare to them, I never knew you, depart me from me, the workers of lawlessness. And so the idea that Jesus is getting across is that there are going to be people who listen to the words of Jesus while he was alive on earth, or today who go to church, who read the Bible, and who say the right things, who say outwardly all the proper things from Scripture. They talk like a Christian. But Jesus is saying, unless you obey, unless you do what he says to do, the foundation of your life is so bad, you are not saved. You can say all the right things, but if you don't have a level of obedience in your life, then God, Jesus is going to say, I never knew you at the end of time. Now, I'm not saying, and I would never say, that doing something gets you saved, that doing something causes God to love you more, that doing something gets you into heaven. But this is part of a covenant. When Jesus died on the cross, he created a new covenant. That is what is called in the New Testament, a new covenant. It is a covenant based on grace, it is a covenant based on blessing, and it is a covenant foundationally based in the blood of Christ. Christ did all the heavy lifting. Christ did all the work. We are saved by grace through faith, not by works. So nobody can boast. But if you Read the covenant like a contract. There are provisions in the covenant. And if you want to buy into the covenant by grace through faith and maintain a part of the covenant, your evidence of being part of this covenant is that you have obedience to the things of Christ. That when Christ said, be honest, you will 
in your daily life, attempt to be honest. Because that is what covenant people, that is what Christians, that is what people who follow Christ do. That is how we live. So this is a provision. This is almost like an if-then statement. If you want to prove that you are part of the covenant, if you want to prove that you're a true believer, then you've got to hear God's words and do them. If you just hear them and don't do them, you aren't part of the covenant. So it is evidentiary. It is evidence of the covenant. And when we talk about being in a church and discipling one another and teaching one another, we are being a part of that sort of covenant. We are helping each other. We are spurring one another on to good works. That is what we're supposed to be doing here. And so he tells the story of two houses. And the houses, many commentators have looked at this and they have tried to figure out what does he mean, what he's trying to figure out exactly what is being said. Uh, some people, when you say, what is the rock that your life is based on? They will say, Jesus, Jesus is the rock. And that is true. Throughout Scripture, Jesus is called the rock. But how do you build your life on Jesus? How do you have Jesus as a foundation? And what does it mean? It means you read the words of Jesus. Okay, We don't hear Jesus face to face anymore. We have the Bible. So we read the words of Jesus. And for this illustration for this parable, for this test of the covenant, it is just the Gospels. Jesus said, follow my words, not the commentary of Paul, not the letter to the Ephesians. We have to follow those too. Those are part of God's word to us. But for this test, it is the Gospels. It is commands that Jesus spoke out. Okay? And so if you open your bulletins, this is going to be interactive. There's a list. Looks like this. It says the 49 commands of Christ. Jesus commanded 49 things. And you say, how do you know? And I will say, because people smarter than you and I for the last 2,000 years have scoured the Bible in the original languages and found every single command that Jesus spoke. And so for centuries, it has been accepted that this is the list. Nobody who is a true believer would deny this list. Go to your web machine and type in your browser, the commands of Jesus. Just type that. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of sites will come up with this list. There may be a few words different, but I know that this is the list. There are books written on it. There are bookmarks. You can get this on a t-shirt. The, these are the commands of Jesus. You say, I want to build my house on a foundation that is rock solid. This is the list that Jesus is talking about. Does this list save you? No. 
does this lift give evidence to yourself and to people around you that you are a true believer? The answer is yes. Now, how does this, what does Jesus say about these houses? So you have two houses, one's built on the bedrock, solid. I mean, they did the pile driver and everything and they put it way down. And when the storms come and the floods come, and you say, well, what's the storm and what's the flood? I tried to list everything that has been a storm in my life since as far back as I can remember. Anything that I can consider something coming against me. And when I got to about 30 things, I just wrote anything. Anything in the world can be a storm. It can be financial. It can be relational. It can be an election. Elections are strange because it seems like every time you turn around, we're having an election and changing who's in office. So to get upset about who's in office, ah, just wait six months. There's an election in June. I didn't know that. I got a call. It was a survey. It said there's an election in June for Alameda County, just Alameda County, we have to send people to Sacramento, for the assembly. Apparently, whoever was there is not there anymore. And so we have to vote for somebody to send to Sacramento. That's just six months from the last election. We have elections all the time, but some people are so bothered by it, they build their foundation on politics, on the political view. And then when the wind changes, when the person in office changes, their house collapses. Now, what is the house? I think the house is your belief and your faith. You could say it's you, but I think it's the belief and the faith, because if I am building my house on something that is changing, a 401k, an IRA, if I'm building my house on um, somebody who says they love me, or somebody who moved away, or the house I live in, or the car I drive, or the town I live in, or whatever, you, you know, sickness, health, rich or poor, all the vows you do when you're married, these are all storms that come to us. And if you have your house, your faith, your belief built on finances, the stock market, and it, it crashes tomorrow, and you lose 80%, what is your faith or belief going to be? It's going to be that this is not trustworthy, that I'm going to fall apart, that you may, you know, leave church, you may cancel with all your friends, you may do whatever. If it happened in the 30s, people jumped out of windows. Their faith was in the finances so much. So if we build our belief and our faith on something that is constantly changing or could change. I, I, you know, I believe that, that God has promised I'm going to be healthy, so I'm building my, my house on my health. And then I get, you know, I have some difficulty. I break my knee, okay? And I say, ah, God, you said I'd be healthy, and, and look, I'm not healthy anymore. And my house crumbles, and everything falls apart. Everything I rely on falls apart. And today, as the whole of culture seems to be changing every week, 
If you put your faith in that, then you will, your house will begin to crumble. And when it talks about the fall being great, uh, many commentators believe that at the end of time, when you stand before Jesus at the final judgment, that is the biggest storm of all. Because if you've built your house on finances or fame or position or title or a company or a car or a house or technology or whatever you build it on, then Jesus is going to say, well, what did you do for me? And that is not going to end well for the people who have built their house on the sand or on the ground. This uh, parable is also in Luke. In Luke, it says sand in Matthew. It says ground in Luke. In Matthew, it says build on the rock. In Luke, it says dig down and build on the rock. The idea is it isn't always the easiest life to build your life on the rock. It takes study. It takes knowledge. Uh, this list may surprise people, but I think that it should be on the inner leaf of every Bible since this talks about it and Jesus said, if you love me, you'd keep my commandments. So how does it work? How do I do this? There are 49 of them and I can just look at it and go, oh man, this is too big of a list and I walk away. But you kind of look at, there's about 52 weeks in a year and there's about 49 commands here. You can go through the list in a year and that's what I do. I take one thing every week. On every Monday, I find one. And if you look at number 31, 31's good. 31's I've been working on. 31, the reference is Luke 12, 15. And it says in Luke 12, 15, Jesus speaking, Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. So I write this verse at the top of a piece of paper. Okay? I then look up covetousness, because maybe I'm not too sure what that means, and I write the definition of covetousness. I then write any thoughts. Covetousness means getting something that belongs to somebody else or getting something you cannot have. Okay? Uh, you, you may like the, the car of somebody else and you want it really bad. That's covetousness. Or you may want you know, to live on 17-mile drive in Carmel, that's just unattainable for most, okay? But you can covet those houses. You can drive there and drool and covet and get pictures of them and put them on your phone. You can think about getting something all the time. That is what covetousness is. You wake up in the morning and you think about getting this thing, getting this item, this physical thing. Covetousness can also be involved with people, if you want to love somebody that somebody else loves, okay, that is also jealousy and envy, but if you work to break up their marriage so you can have them, that's covetousness. You're working on things to get something or somebody that isn't yours to get. And so I write that down and I think about all the things that I want and how much I want them and am I willing to go into massive debt to get it, or am I going to save for it? And I, may, I write that out on a Monday, okay? Since I'm doing one of these a week. So on a Monday, I pick one, and I write it out. And then every morning, I look at it, and I pray, and I say, God, 
Show me where I'm coveting. Show me where my possessions are more important than you. Okay? Nothing. I write down any thoughts I have, any notes I have. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then Friday, I write down how I do. Am I cured of covetousness or, or what? And then I take the weekend off. And then Monday, I do number 32, forgive offenders. And I look it up in Scripture, and I figure out what uh, unforgiveness is, and I ask God to show me where I'm unforgiving. And I go through the list, one by one, a week on each, and nobody's perfect, even though that's number, Jesus commanded us, 11, Jesus commanded us to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. If you look up perfect in the Bible, it actually means complete and lacking nothing. So you can write down, am I complete in my life with God? In my relationship with God, am I complete, lacking nothing? Okay? And you just work through it. And at the end of the year, you have 49 of these things. And you can look at them. And you can do it again next year. And you can begin to grow in the commands of Christ. Now, there are some free spaces. Okay? Number 43. If you're doing this, you're saved, and that's what number 43 is, be saved, okay? Jesus commanded Nicodemus to be born again. That, occur, that belongs to people who are not saved. They get on this list, they get into this covenant by being born again. So if you already are born again, you don't have to do 43 again. Now you can ask yourself once a year, am I really saved? What's the evidence? that I'm saved. And you can look at your obedience. You can say, wow, I'm, I, I, you know, I am aware of the leaven, and I love my neighbor, and I await Jesus' return. These are commands that Jesus gave you that if you're doing them, not perfectly, if you're doing them, that is evidence that you are saved. That is evidence that you belong to Jesus Christ, that you do have the Holy Spirit within you. Hopefully, number two, following Jesus. That was a command given to his disciples when he was choosing them. Hopefully, you can say, I'm following Jesus. But you can examine yourself. You can take a week every morning, ask, am I following Jesus the way I am supposed to, the way he wants me? You answer yes or no, and if it's no, then you need to write steps on how you can follow him better. Repent is repenting of, of your sins, and since we're always sinning, we need to examine ourselves and repent of what we sin. We repent one big time when we accept Jesus Christ. We turn our back on our old life, but because we are still sinners saved by grace, we must continually repent. And so... Look at the list, and I will be preaching on several of these because they're associated with parables. But if you have questions, if you really don't know what it means to do this or that, you can ask me. Uh, people have sliced and diced this list like you wouldn't believe, so you can actually do a web search on this list. There are books on Amazon about the 49 commands 
daily devotionals. You can get those books and get more information. If you really want to build your house on the rock, you've got to know what Jesus said and you have to do it. And if you don't, if you don't care, if it takes too much time, if you have other things to do, then there will come a time when Jesus Christ will examine your life. And Paul talked about having everything in your life put into a crucible, and it's either wood, hay, or stubble, which is the house that fell down, or it's gold, silver, and precious rock, which is obedient to Christ. We want to be obedient Christians, and if somebody asks you, somebody like me, how's your obedience going? You should be able to say, I'm on top of it. I'm not perfect. I don't got everything. I don't even remember half of the commands, but I got the list, and I'm on top of it. And that's what it means to follow Jesus and build your house on the rock. Jesus ended his life by telling his disciples in the upper room, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And so doing these 49 commands is also a sign of love for Jesus Christ. It is how we show love to God. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, I thank you for this day. I thank you that even though the Christian life, all the work has been done by you, there are still things we can do to show you love. There are still things we can do to be part of your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for this and ask your blessing on the meal that follows and on the remainder of the day. We ask all this from the blood of Christ. Amen. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 180 Llewellyn Boulevard, San Lorenzo, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 1045 a.m. Our website is livingfreetoday.org and our phone number is 510-278-2622. May God continue to bless you as you serve your King. God bless.